in the wise words of Sam Ellinger, we're back. Welcome back to the 40 Year Line Podcast. Guys, I am your host, Jacob Campos, and on my left side, oh, it feels so good to say it again. So good to be back. The lovely Evan Veith right it's here. It's great to be back, guys. I mean, we, we're back in our comfort spot. It's been way too long. We, we didn't end up getting a show out over break. That wasn't shocking. So, no, that it, that it, checks out. That was, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we are so happy to be back and talking about sports with you guys. And talking about sports. And guys, uh, lucky for you, as it has it, it is syllabus week here at UT. Evan and I are kind of trying to get our lives in order. Uh, we're trying not to eat out as much. We're trying to, you know, just like, I don't know, be efficient with these podcasts. Yeah. So we're actually very excited to announce that we have two episodes coming out this week. Yep. So you guys get something very much to be excited about. And also, another thing, for those of you that are in the Austin area or do have Evan's phone number, go ahead and shoot him a text, give him a congratulations, because Evan will actually be writing for the student newspaper, as you all know, he writes for the Texan. Yep. He will be doing the head for baseball this semester, yes, which is a huge opportunity for him, and we are so happy about that. Thank you, JC. So, I'm excited. Starting in February, our episodes will start to be, you know, come at spotty times, but starting in February, I think we're going to start to become a baseball podcast. Oh, yeah. We so. are going to be... There's plenty that I'll have opinions on, so... Yes, I mean... Hopefully I don't get in trouble. Let's hope not, but <laughs> we are very excited for him and very proud of him. Thank you, thank you. So without further ado, we'll let Evan take it away, and let's get started in the new year. Yeah, I mean, new year, hopefully new Texas, because... Hopefully. Yeah. This, this break wasn't exactly the kindest for Texas sports. Ooh. I mean, I think the first thing we're going to note on is the Alamo Bowl game. You know, I think I came in expecting this game to happen about what happened. I, I you know, I told my parents while we were watching... I don't expect them to win this game. I think it'll be close, but without Bijan Robinson, Roshan, you know, guys like Overshot on the defense, I didn't have much expectations. And at the end of the day, it wasn't the worst game Texas has played. They've had worse bowl games. Obviously tough to lose it, but when Washington's coming out there with all of their players playing, I mean, they have two of the best edge rushers in the Pac-12 who neither of them declared for the draft. So they're just playing the game instead of our guys who are out there playing the game. Same with Penix. He had a great game as well, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on this, JC. Yeah, so I actually made the poor decision of spending over $200 getting tickets for these games. <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> I will say, overall, there is not a lot to be happy about when it comes in terms of the run game. Mm-hmm. Because the one guy that should have gotten the ball that game was not getting his touches. Nope. You know? um, Brooks, when he was out there, was just doing fantastic. Yeah. Keelan Robinson, uh, you know, he's been the third guy for the last two years now, right? Two years? Yep. He was not the go-to guy, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, we kept giving him the ball. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case heading into the new year. Obviously, you know, a lot of stuff is changing because it was just announced today that our passing game is going to undergo some big yep. changes as our passing coach, Brendan Marion, has now left for an offensive coordinator job. A little bit of a hit for Texas, but Texas is retaining that wide receivers, which for me was the biggest note because the one thing I do want to say is, one, um, having overshown did hurt us because – yeah, I mean, Washington was attacking us in the middle. Yeah, you know? they were. Jalen Ford, he's a dog. He couldn't do as much as he would have liked to out there. Mm-hmm. It was pretty obvious from the get-go because they were just sitting there in coverage. They were finding the soft spots and just abusing us in the middle of the yeah. entire game. But one guy who I said was going to have a good game, which a lot of people didn't believe, and I think is, you know, we've talked about it all year, and this is the trajectory that we're expecting. That was the Quinn Ewers game that we had expected. Yep. Or at least people were thinking – Maybe we can finally get one. I mean, if it wasn't for Xavier Worthy dropping two guaranteed touchdowns, you would have had another, what, 60, 70 passing yeah. yards? So Quinn overall had 31 for 47 for 369 yards and one touchdown. 
as well, he had 16 first downs that were converted through the passing game, and that's including Jay Witt dropping a first down, and you were, or excuse me, and Worthy dropping those touchdown balls. Look, Quinn, he looked good. Yes. And there's this one play that I want to talk about. It happened in the fourth or in the third quarter, right? Because it hadn't happened all season. What had happened for all of you that have followed UT very closely, which I'm assuming is everyone that listens to this podcast, yep. is whenever there was pressure in the pocket, Quinn would sit there and take it. Mm-hmm. And it looked like Sark finally gave him the get let go, or like the get go, like, you're a mobile guy. You were steps out of the pocket and rolls to his like left side, makes like an off shoulder throw, off balance throw, boom, first down. And that's just something we hadn't seen all year. Yeah. Quinn looked comfortable. He looked good in the pocket. Look, he had three weeks to get ready for this game. And obviously, you're not going to have three weeks in the regular season. But you got to be like, I'm telling you all, this is the Quinn Ewers that I expected. Let's, please, I'm going to remind you guys for the last time this year, that was officially basically his freshman year. Yeah, that was he his was freshman a, year. He was a true freshman. Quinn, I'm excited. I'm not even really going to worry too much about this Washington game because I don't know if you all have been paying attention. But in terms of recruits, it's we've gotten probably the best linebacker class in the entire country. Yeah, I think it is. I think we smart. have the best linebacker country, best linebacker class in the country. We've got a great defensive back coming in, and we've got a couple of good safeties coming in. Well, as just well. Le- just yesterday, for when we're recording, Jelani McDonald yep. committed, who's you know labeled as an athlete. He'll probably play a kind of an Isaiah Simmons role on the defense, which will be a lot of fun to see. Um, I like what you said about Ewers on that specific play because. One of the problems with yours is that, you know, we don't need him to be Hudson Card where he's mobile in the run game and he's, you know, making a lot of plays down the field. But he needs to be mobile the way a guy like Aaron Rodgers is, where in the pocket just he roll can out, step out maybe. and make throws. And he's always just been very much a want-to-be-in-the-pocket guy. And he's a great pocket passer, yep. but he's got to be able to move outside. And like you said, I mean, this is a good game for him. This is his most yardage ever in a game, just in, in call it at, at and all. And it was decent completion as yeah, well. Yeah, and yeah, 31 for 47. I mean, that's throwing the ball a lot, but... Like you said, Xavier Worthy was not giving him any favors out there. He should have been at about 450 yards and another touchdown or two. In my opinion, he played a little bit better than Penix. Um, definitely better efficiency and had more yards. Penix, obviously, you know, he's more of a ground guy, and the Texas defense did help with that. Mm-mm. But I thought Ewers played really well. I thought Casey Kane, uh, randomly. Casey, who, four catches, man, yeah. The guy who I have been not the biggest fan of this year, I'll, I'll admit it. I've knocked on a lot. But Kane, you know, he doesn't need to have nine catches a game. He's not going to be a guy we're targeting 12, 15 times. But if this is a guy that can put out these performances three to four times next year, that's going to be huge given that we have this receiving core coming back. Well, I think you have to also point out the fact that our receiving core, for the first time in forever, I don't think – when was the last time you could say that Texas' two biggest strengths next year was going to be their offensive line and their receiving core? Probably never. Just Probably I, never been a thing. This is going to be the best it's been in a long time. Yeah, exactly. And, and like we said, Whittington's coming back. Were these – in theory, staying, it seems like he is. Nayor. Nayor is going to come back. Jonte Cook, who is probably a top five wide receiver coming in as a freshman this year, is also going to get a lot of playing time. Casey Kane, right now he's playing well. Jatavian Sanders. Moore. Yeah, Moore is also a guy who we just got. Just a lot of playmakers on this offense, and the O-line is going to be better. It didn't even look that bad this game, in my opinion. I don't think that was a problem. I don't think the offense, despite it only being 20 points, was that much of a problem. The big real problem is, you know, only running the ball 14 times with your running backs and only averaging 2.8 yards a carry is going to kill you. However, you know, question for you. Um, do you see us retaining Keelan, Jonathan, and Jaden Blue with Cedric Baxter and, um, excuse me, oh my gosh, it's uh, Trey Weisner. Yeah, and Trey Weisner yeah. coming in. Do you see us retaining all three of those running backs that we have right now? I, I mean, I don't see why any of those running backs would transfer because all of them have a shot to start next year. And Keelan Robinson, obviously, he sees that he's going to play. In my opinion, he's never going to be in every down back. 
He is definitely a gadget third down kind of guy. A little Danny Woodhead in him, you know what I mean? But not Danny Woodhead. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. I was more I was more interested in seeing Brooks, like you said, and he he barely got any playing time. He had a touchdown, but he mostly got these short yardage runs mm-hmm. that I wish we could have seen more of his explosiveness out there. But I think Brooks knows that he has definitely the chance to take the spot. Blue thinks he has a chance to take the spot. Baxter does. And Keelan Robinson right now is the guy at the top. I don't see why any of them would ever change. I mean, it's Keelan's job to lose right Yeah, now. it is. It but is, yeah. I, I mean, personally, I would like this to be an offense that revolves a lot around Brooks and Baxter next year. You know, Keelan coming in for these gadget plays, so there's two running back plays. But for the bulk of the carries, I want Brooks. I want Baxter. I think Baxter's going to be a big impact next year. But this game was not the game to be talking about rushing for this team. Oh, it was, definitely not. It was bad. One guy I want to shout out as well who had a lot of plays out there was Jaron Thompson. He yeah. had that, yep. that pick in the – I think it was in the first half. And Ooh. 11 ta- tackles combined for him on this game. And that's the best I've ever seen Jaron Thompson look. Uh, he's never been a guy that really stands out for Texas. Usually Barron's more the safety that you look for, Anthony Cook even. But Jaron Thompson was a ball hawk this game. He was making plays all over the field. He looked faster than usual. And against an offense that likes to roll out, Penix – Huge passer, good in the run game, but really is a downfield threat kind of guy. Yep. Jaron Thompson was closing all of those those routes out, and I thought he played great. I was really happy with him. I think, yeah, and honestly, a lot of people aren't really like taking this into account, but like Washington was averaging 42 points a game, mm-hmm. and Texas for the most part missing their central guy there and Overshone, and I you know I don't know if a lot of people noticed this, but I noticed it. We also lost Ryan Watts the entire second half. Yes, yeah, we did. And if you remember, our one loss this year, or a couple critical losses, we lost Ryan, ha- Ryan Watts for the second half of Oklahoma State, and we also lost him for a little bit of West Virginia as well. Yeah, we did. I yeah. think that's important sure. to note because Ryan Watts has really proved himself as a defensive anchor out there. So that shows his value as a player too. So just saying, without Ryan and DeMario, you were still able to hold a pretty powerful Washington team to 27. Yeah, I mean, Washington is probably – about at the 10th best team in the nation to end the year. I mean, 11-2, and two, and the, one of the best Pac-12s you've ever seen, they're a really good team. And it's unfortunate that Texas, you know, we came in ranked as number 20. We'll probably end the season around, like, 25 area. It was a bad draw. Um, yeah. You know, it's a bad draw for this team when bad they don't draw. have their, the best player in the country to play. It's, you know, this is not a full-strength team, and they showed up at least in the spot, spots that we wanted to see improvement from. At least Quinn looked good as part of the offense. At least, you know, some other wide receivers were stepping up a little bit. I'm not upset about this game. I think, you know, we, we lost. I expected us to lose. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. And I think overall your biggest takeaway as, you know, as much as it hurts me because I am, you know, I do like to take the lead on Texas football. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it hurts me to say as this is basically going to be our last big Texas football mention for at least the next few weeks, two months. I mean, wow, that's, that's like, so sad to say. That's actually. so sad. That's, that's like, so, so sad happened. to say. Oh, this is so much fun for me. Um, <laughs> it's like, I think it's pretty crazy, but overall, look at where we are a year ago to now. You know, five and seven a year ago, December 2021, or 2021, Quinn Ewers commits to UT. Then when we get all these guys coming in. But, like, since January of last year, we've gotten a great, probably the best offensive line coming. Yep. We got Arch Manning to commit. We got a lot of five stars. We flipped Anthony Hill from A&M. We flipped Colton Vasek from OU. Yep. We've brought in even more wide receivers. We've retained wide receivers. Now we don't need to go to the portal. And next year, we have a offensive line. We have a quarterback who's ready to prove himself in Quinn Ewers, a quarterback who is ready to compete for a job in Malik Murphy, mm-hmm. and who is and another quarterback who's allegedly the future in Arch Manning, and also P.K. Stain, 
And I think now we finally see his value as a coach yeah, as well. Yeah, he's, he's really showing up this year. I think overall with our recruits, I think Sark's on the way up. And I think next year, and I told you this in our very first episode, you know, I think next year we win the Big 12. Yeah. And I really, I really do think we're two to three years away from this team competing for a college football playoff, especially with expansion happening now. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's one of the big things that you have to – this is a team that will be primed to be a you know, playoff – like last team in, but could yep. upset. Yep. And I'm glad you mentioned the transfer portal. We don't have this written down, but I also want your opinion on this. What position group now that Jordan Whittington's coming back should this team be looking for in the in the transfer portal? Because in theory, there's no more offense that needs any help. You know, running back is the biggest question mark position, but there's so many guys. O line should be good. Quarterback obviously fine. Tight end, wide receiver. Maybe the defense. I really think honestly, because honestly, I have a lot of trust in our linebackers, and I have a lot of trust in. Um, I'm honestly, people not might not like this statement. I'm gonna say it needs to happen on that on that front four. I was gonna I say, say the defensive line is gonna be yeah. our front four. I was I was thinking the same thing because we're losing Ojomo. He just decided to enter the draft. I think we're losing Coburn as well. That's two of the three big guys on the D line, and I think our edge rushing will be a little bit better next year. You know, Sorrell's got another year. We'll have some more guys who are freshmen this year come in. Colton Bassick should have some help as well, or should be in there to help. Uh, our linebacker core, you don't really want to add in somebody when these guys need to develop. Yep. And I think our, a lot of our you know, cornerbacks and safeties are coming back. The biggest weakness I see is, is that D-line. If we can have someone to play alongside Sweat in like a 4-3 formation, this is a good team. Mm-hmm. And, and just a big body to be in there, stuff the run a little bit. This team was great at pressuring even on these four-man drops. That I agree. You don't really need a guy to, that's a crazy star. I was just like another body who's you know, played another Power 5 school, wants another shot, sees at Texas, oh, he can probably start. That would be good with me. I agree. And, you know, another thing that we didn't write down that we can bring up as we talk about it, as you talk about bringing in these guys to stay competitive, is, so, you know, we've seen in OSU, they're losing their starting quarterback. Yep. OSU is now having to have some trouble retaining players. It had been rumored for a while that Jelani McDonald, you know, he was an OSU target. Yeah. Decides yeah. to come to Texas. Oklahoma has had a pretty good signing as well. But, obviously, you know, Oklahoma still has a little bit of ways to go, I feel like, before they're competitive again. Do you see... TCU, because uh, eventually we do have to talk about TCU and the Natty. Uh, do you see TCU actually still being as good as they are this year, heading into next season? No, undeniably. Um, you know, have you seen the transfer portals that they've been get, getting in with this? I mean, they've they've got they've, three guys from they've Bama. They've got three already. guys from Bama. Yeah. I mean, Sonny Dykes knows how to use the portal. I'm guessing the recruiting is going to be a little better, and it just it's not a team that is built on these five stars. And you know, they'll lose Duggan. That's unfortunate. They'll lose Kendrick Miller and Johnson to the draft. They're losing their big three. But this team isn't only just based on those guys, and I think either way they'll find someone to play quarterback. Yep. They have people behind Miller that can play a running back. This is going to be the favorite to team to win the Big 12 next year, despite yeah. who they lose. Man, and it's, it's unfortunate we're not playing them at home next year. Yep, that would have been fun. That would have been a different game, I feel like. Yeah. But a lot to be excited about for Texas football. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I think for the first time since August, I think that's – that should wrap it up on Texas football yeah, for at least a short-term future. So exciting! Yeah. We'll, I know my girlfriend's excited about it, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know if anyone else is. So we'll um, we'll we'll do some recruiting talk on National Signing Day. But Thank I God. think I need it. I think that's about it. And, and as we're we're kind of talking about this in our in our little notes, but we're gonna segue into basketball. There's a big elephant in the room that you know we have to talk about, and well, we, we've waited. Beard now obviously has now been fired. Yeah, uh, it took yeah. you know they had to go through deliberations, but you know. During this time, they were working out all the court case, and Beard is officially gone from Texas. You know, he can sign somewhere else. I don't know what's going to happen to him legally. We aren't going to get into that stuff because we don't know every detail. Absolutely. But, you know, this is 
a huge hit for the program, and it's something that they had to do no matter what. This was the right decision, and I think Texas as a university handled it pretty well. Crystal Conte did a good job, but the basketball team, you know, that sucks. Right as it seems like mm-hmm. they're trying to become, you know, start, starting to try to get in the conversation of perennial top 10 to 15 team, they lose the coach that's built up their defense, built up the culture, built up the recruiting class, and now he's gone. They're going to have to find a replacement this offseason. Yeah. It, it hurts. Um, you know, you don't want to speak anything on – there's no reason to speculate on anything. Just reason to talk about him as a coach because at the end of the day, that's all he was. Yeah. Is he was a coach, just nothing more. It's unfortunate that it happened, that everything's gone down the way it has. And I think the thing you got to feel worse for is the players. Yes. Uh, for the players, for the guys that have poured their heart and soul into this program, guys like Marcus Carr – Guys that like Tyrese Hunter that came to this program because of Beard. Yeah. And you can only wonder now how this is going to affect a program long term, especially with recruits. But, you know, Texas basketball, they're still, they're still putting up a fight. It's Obviously, um, it was our first Big 12 game, which was last Saturday, I believe. I or no, it Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. It was Tuesday when they gave up, which was an NBA score, 116 yeah. points to Kansas State. But then the next good day, or excuse me, but then on Saturday, they go ahead. And they hold Oklahoma State in Oklahoma State, so, you know, pretty tough environment, that they're actually able to hold off and win, holding them to only under 50 points. Yeah, that was crazy. It was crazy, but I think short-term future for Texas men's basketball, I, I'm i going to say that, you know, this really was, I believe, a Final Four-bound team. I, I, I'd agree. I don't necessarily know if that's the case anymore. Because it has been evident that there's a defensive drop-off. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. think that really you just got to hope that these guys just keep pounding through the season. I think if we make it to Sweet 16 through everything these guys have been through, because remember, these players did not – the day that Chris Beard got arrested, these players had a game. They had to play a game. Yeah. They had to play a game. They, they still have to go to work, which is very unfortunate for them. So I think if this team makes it to the Sweet 16 – I think it can be reasonably okay. I believe – I don't know what you believe. I think expectations have changed for Texas basketball. Oh, th- there's no question. I mean, Coach Terry has done a great job stepping in such an offensive Absolutely situation. phenomenal job. Uh, you know, you, people will give him hate. I don't think it's really fair. But he's not, he's not the coach of our future, I don't think. And Short-term one-year yeah, solution. He's, yeah. he's there for this year. And I don't think he's such a bad coach that this team will just crumble in the tournament Mm-mm. under behind him. I think it's a team that can win two games in the tournament just from pure talent. I mean, they have some great players on this team. Yeah. But – What's also important for people who are you know going to be a little critical of the team? They're still thirteen and two, and despite one loss, they're still a top five team in the Big Twelve. You know, Kansas looks like by far the best team. Kansas State looks amazing this year. Mm-hmm. TCU, who we're going to play on Wednesday, are good. Baylor has been really bad in Big Twelve play as of Texas Tech, who are teams that you thought would be powerhouses. Baylor was a shock. I did yeah. not expect that. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing you have to know is that every single team in the Big Twelve is rated. For the people who don't know, Ken Pomeroy does these rankings. And he does, you know, they're kind of the college basketball better rankings than what people in the top 25 do. And he does every team in the nation. And he's ranked every single Big 12 team in the top 50, which I believe is like the strongest a conference has ever been from 1 to 10 That is ever. uber competitive. So that means, that, that means any road win you have is a big win. And beating Oklahoma State, not a team you think of as a basketball powerhouse, but this is a team that already has a Big 12 win. They've won nine games this year. Beating them on the road is an important win. And that's, you know, the offense didn't show up very much. The defense did. And it was obviously the opposite in the Kansas State game. Mm-hmm. You, you're never going to win when you give up 58 points in the first half. No. But the team came back a little bit. And it wasn't like, you know, they looked like they were losing for most of this game. But they had a chances here and there. And 
players individually were playing all right, but the defense as a whole is just not a solidified unit. I mean, they shot. Three. But also, when's the next time K-State's going to shoot 54% yeah. from the three? You're never going to win that a game happen. where they shoot 600 from the field, 54% from the free throw. 94% from free throw. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, they just hit I mean, Keontae Johnson, who, great story from Florida, and, you know, Marcus Noel, Marquise Noel, I think it is, you know, they combined for what? what is this? You know, 64 points. That's insane. Fantastic math, Evan. I couldn't do that. I was struggling with that for a second. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the team in general has holes, especially on the defensive side now. I think Mm -hmm. I love – I mean, Carr has been consistent. I love Hunter, but he takes some games where he'll just be quiet and then some games where he'll drop 30. And he's just very hit or miss sometimes. Dylan Mitchell's not really been able to, you know, fully unlock his offensive potential. I definitely think having Beard lost there hurt him. But – in general, Arterio Morris on the bench and Serge Barry Rice have been playing so well that so good. I am confident so for them good. in Big 12 play because I don't know how many benches are as deep as this team. I mean, Bishop, Cunningham, Morris, Rice as a rotation as your like, back four, really, really good. And I think that's just going to wear out teams like you know Tech, West Virginia, the ones who aren't ranked highly, who their their star players are great, but they won't be able to out you know maneuver us in these in these games. It's going to be hard against you know TCU who. Probably is the best backcourt in the country with Mike Miles as leading there. He's one of the best players in the country, averaging 20 points a game with, with Damian Baugh as well. That's going to be a tough game. We're favored by a lot in ESPN, but, you know, Wednesday for you, Longhorn fans, show up to that game. That'll much, be a lot of fun. But also, like, Texas is always favored at home. Texas, Texas is always favored at home. So And that's also something that I hope will propel this team. And I think there's still great a great chance this is a top three team in the Big 12. I still think, you know, Kansas looks amazing this year. I agree with that. But Kansas State is a team we can beat. Iowa State looks really good. Iowa as well. State looks good. I want to point it's a that team out. We can beat. So, well, I don't think anybody. I think I don't think anybody in the Big Twelve is unbeatable. Yeah, it's I just think that's if we show point. up, you know. And that's the thing, and I think that's the only thing. At the end of the day, that's Texas football or Texas basketball. I guess football too. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is showing up in the big games. Yeah, that's what's going to come down to. Last year in the tournament, we just drew. A really tough opponent in Purdue, yeah. who's now proved that they're legit. They're a yeah. great team this year. I my only takeaway that I honestly I honestly don't agree with you completely is I feel that Marcus Carr has a tendency to play hero ball too much. He does. Yeah. I I don't completely agree with how he does it sometimes, and I do agree that Tyrese Hunter. You know, you look at the first four games, first three games, he was hyper aggressive, and he does just disappear at times on the court. Yeah, and that's not supposed to be happening when you and Carr are supposed to be splitting those touches on the ball. Definitely. So. Yeah, I mean, you have two, they're two point guards pretty much. I mean, it's not, neither of them's really a natural shooting guard. Yeah. So the, these two guys that you want to have similar shots up, similar points every game, but sometimes it feels like one is doing it, the other isn't, which is not how you want to run your offense. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not really much more to say. It's Texas basketball. It's when will Texas not avoid a headline, you know? Yep. There's um, always just something going on with the coaches. Always something going on at Texas, but I think there's. It's interesting. I'm very excited to see how these players perform this season. Uh, I'm very excited to see what happens to this program long term because I still believe that, you know, despite everything, I believe these players believe in themselves. Yeah. And I think these players have themselves to be motivated for because our guys are still coming out here and performing every single night. And so I think, despite everything, I believe that our culture, that the players have begun to start this season, can hopefully still continue. And they have guys, like, obviously, you know, Marcus Carr will be leaving. Uh, Brock Cunningham will be leaving. We'll be losing a few guys. But hopefully mm-hmm. we retain. Dylan Mitchell, probably. Dylan Mitchell. Hopefully we retain guys. But this, this will be a weird offseason for basketball. Weird offseason for basketball. It's gonna be, we're going to be hiring a new head coach. Yeah, Calipari, maybe. 
Allegedly, a little weird, a little weird uh, rumor that I did not expect to hear, but apparently according to Kentucky, Alabama, it's yeah, gonna happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one thing you have to note is you can't be critical as a fan to end the year, even if this team, you know, splits their games for the rest yeah. of the year, because going 500 in this schedule would actually be a, almost like it'd be a way overperformance. We're playing nine more ranked teams in our last 16, including games. Tennessee. And one of the yeah, one of those is Tennessee, who's playing amazing so far to start this year with Viscovi, who I remember was really good against us last year. This is a this is not an easy schedule. One of the harder schedules in the country for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. So even if the team doesn't fully, you know, go and only have like six losses on the year, if they're a ten loss team, that's not. I'm not really upset. If, if I agree. This is a twenty win team. I agree. But it's I, gonna be that much more. I think at the end of the day, I'm actually excited to see more so what we do in the Big Twelve tournament than anything else. Yeah, that's gonna be. A big I think game. I'm more excited because remember last year we blew it, Big Twelve tourney. Yeah. Just crumbled and faltered. Let's see what we can do this year. I think this team can make some noise in a neutral side game. Definitely. Yeah. I think uh, that will kind of close us out on basketball. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's all. I've... I think that turns our attention to the reason that we are recording on a Sunday night uh-huh. as the NFL finished up its season. We are not concerned with the NFL right now. We're more concerned with our final talking point for this evening in the college football national title game. Yes, we are. Now, uh, for all of you that know, mm-hmm. uh, Evan didn't completely enjoy the CFP yeah. national championship. So we're going to let him take the lead, and we'll get started on there. Yeah, for those who don't know, I my family made the trek all the way out to Arizona on New Year's to go see Michigan live. You know, all, all of us decked on our Michigan gear. You know, my sister's final year at Michigan. My mom's wanted to see this team, you know, all that. And we go, and we watch a miserable first half, and then almost have them come back, and they still lose. Michigan's defense Really, I mean, I, it's hard to use words that are allowed to be said on the podcast. Thank you to, for filtering yourself. Appreciate it. How this Michigan defense played, it was, it was embarrassing for the one of the best defenses in the country. I think top three is what they're they're labeled as to be giving up fifty points in the most important game of the year. You just cannot be happy with this performance in total. One thing I'm going to call out is the play calling in the first half was abysmal from Harbaugh and their offensive coordinator. I mean, this is a team that usually one thing you can rely on is the play calling is better than the talent. So they can make up for, you know, McCarthy not being the best quarterback, not always having, you know, Blake Corum for this game. But they had it on fourth and fourth and one. They run a Philly special, which has not worked in 2022, I don't yeah. believe. Yeah. Uh, that play is so outdated. And there was some, you know, we were upset when that Ronnie Bell touchdown got reversed, put on the one-yard line. They fumbled. That was a touchdown. It was a touchdown. That was a touchdown. But there's also no excuse to give it to your freshman running back as a fullback and have him go into the line. True. Just Very QB true. sneak it. Give it to your better running backs. Throw a, throw a pass. It, there's just so many better plays to have there than putting it all on a guy who's more likely to fumble than probably anyone else in your running back core. You know, it's, it's a tough game. I I had a lot of fun at the game, let it be known. It was still a fun game to be at. But the, the team defense especially did not perform, and the offense looked really good. J.J. McCarthy had a great game, just too little, too late at the end in that third quarter, which had 44 combined points in the third, which is crazy. I'd like to know what your thoughts were on the game as just kind of a more uh, neutral viewer. Always take the over. That's my biggest takeaway from <laughs> yeah. college football this season. I think that, you know, this is the first time I've ever really in-depth, not just Big 12, just in-depth watch college football this year. Always take the over. Um, <laughs> the hypnotoad is real. Ugh, I hate to say it because, you know, they beat us. They embarrassed us on national TV. But, I mean, also, like, Max Duggan kind of got that dog in him. Yeah, Max Duggan's very good. Max Duggan... <laughs> Uh, DeMarcado, with an insane performance nowhere. in the second half. 
DeMarcado was just – I'm sorry, man, but he just – he burned, he, y'all. He bullied that he, spot. And it, he had the – was it the big touchdown run? Was it, like, end of third, right? Beginning yeah, he, of fourth? He had, he had this 75-yard touchdown run that yeah. completely demoralized Michigan. Just burns it off, puts them up by two scores. That That's going to do it for the game. Quinton Johnson proves what he's going to be a top – or a first-round pick in the draft this year. Yeah. Going six for 163. And the biggest thing was that TCU – and I had seen TCU play this entire season. I didn't think they had a chance against Michigan. I was I was expecting a Michigan solid win, but I definitely thought there's a chance TCU would do it. But I didn't think it would. I didn't think it was going to be this embarrassing for Michigan. It was something I would also like to point out. Um, I do want to give them some credit. Their fan base traveled very well. For oh yeah, they were crazy. Their fan base traveled very well, and so for me, I I had originally been going for Michigan to win the national title. And now, just due to my utter despise for Stetson Bennett as a, as a mid-level quarterback, I do have to go for TCU now, just, you know, Big 12 alliance. I have to support them tomorrow night. But, I mean, TCU, they've – I really thought, you know, this Georgia team was that good on defense. But I seriously – I seriously don't know how to how – to, Feel about Georgia's defense against TCU tomorrow night. Yeah, I, mean, I really don't know how to feel about Georgia's defense. I'm going to say that we straight can up. Flop over to the Ohio State game because you know we I didn't get as much of a good in depth look at this game, but the both defenses played very poorly, and it was just kind of throws after throws, just not much of a running game. Each team just thrown all over each other, and you know Bennett and Stroud each had 34 attempts of over 350 yards. Stroud had 350 almost on the dot. Yeah, but seven touchdowns combined for the quarterbacks. I mean, it was just mayhem out there in the passing game and like you said the Georgia passing defense looked awful this game horrid horrid you know Ohio State they they probably realistically should be the one that's playing this game that I feel so bad for Ruggles their kicker but they the players did everything to get down and win the game for them and then Ryan Day calls three of the worst combined play calls I've ever seen when you have the chance to ice the game loses them yardage Ruggles couldn't make the big kick the second that the clock struck 12 in eastern time by the way that was pretty. That was pretty hilarious. Though. Pretty bad start of his twenty twenty three. That was hilarious. I'm sorry. But yeah, this Georgia team doesn't look indestructible or unbeatable. You know, I know they're fourteen and zero, but the the running game, which has always been kind of a problem with them, they use a big committee, wasn't present this game, and Stetson Bennett made throws, which is important for them. Yeah. But the defense just looked bad, and the their their cornerbacks bad. were were getting exposed. Jalen Carter had very little impact this game. He's one of the best players in this upcoming draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you got to give it to C.J. Stroud. I don't think there's one one playoff game ever seen that has upped a player's draft stock than Stroud's game this game because his knock has always been, you know, he's a little too he's a little too um, solid in the pocket, doesn't scramble around enough, kind of what we were talking about viewers. Yep. Doesn't make plays outside the pocket. He's just a Jared Goff type. Picked high, not gonna be that good, but this game he was making play after play after play, using his legs, making these tight throws, which he's always been good at. But you do it without Marvin Harrison for half the game, you know. That's just a great play from C.J. Stroud. He's going to be a top-five pick in the draft this year, and you know, congrats to him on yeah. that. But also, I feel bad for him because even though he's one of the best quarterbacks Ohio State has put out, couldn't beat Michigan, couldn't get to the final. He just an unfortunate ending for his career. Now, quick sidebar before we continue on with our final predictions for the national championship because, you know, I'm going to ask to pick him. You know, yeah, I always yeah, do. Yeah, of course. I wanna, I, I'm just curious to know, Nick Saban, Ryan Day. No, I'm just, I'm just coming out of left field with this. I mm-hmm. haven't talked to you about this at all. We haven't even addressed okay, this over yeah. the break. Who do you think we wasted more of for two years? Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Because both are going to be the top two quarterbacks taken in the draft, and both have had fantastic careers, but both are walking out without a national title I'm, or like a huge like 
significant like, yeah, yeah, big yeah. win kind of win. thing. Yeah. I'm going to go with Stroud because I think what you can say for, for Bryce Young and Saban is that Bryce Young's team around him was just less talented. I mean, Bryce, Bryce Young's receiving core is the worst receiving core Alabama's had in years. I mean, like going back to like the 2000s when the team wasn't quite as good. I mean, Alabama quarterbacks are used to, A, not being that good. You know, the best one would be, like, A.J. McCarron. And then, you know, recently, of course, you know, the Tua, Mac Jones kind of era. But they usually are used to having Amari Cooper, Jalen Waddell, you know, Henry Ruggs, maybe not the best name to bring up, Jerry Judy. I mean, they always had these stud wide receivers. And Bryce Young didn't have much help on the offense apart from Jameer Gibbs in the running game. And I don't think this team was ever going to be the best team in the nation, even though, you know, they were predicted to be that. But this C.J. Stroud, Ohio State team, you know, being paired with Olave, Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, Emeka Egbuka. I mean, those are amazing wide receivers, all five of them. And they still never beat Michigan, which is something they always did. And they still haven't had a huge, huge win in a huge game. I mean, that was just – Stroud did everything he could personally. I like to make fun of him as being a not-clutch player. He was pretty clutch in the end of this game. And he, he – yeah. Yeah, Ryan Day's yeah. play calling and his general philosophy of the game has really hurt this team. That's that's really unfortunate because that's coming from a Michigan fan, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, sorry guys. Jamie better. I mean, yeah, dude, Georgia, really, they really did crumble. I mean, obviously their third down efficiency was still pretty pretty effective. Yeah. Only yeah. holding uh, Ohio State to thirty three percent. They never went for it on fourth down, but I mean, overall, still gave up three hundred fifty yards passing, under twenty on the ground. No, or one, only one turnover to their well, name. Well, yeah, I was just about to mention or that. no turnover to their name, right? But yeah, no, yeah, no turnover to their name. I mean, Ohio State had five more minutes of possession in this game, which is so rare for a team like Georgia that loves to control their possession. And you know, they, you expect a fumble or a pick once a game, but I'm not confident that if they don't force a turnover against TCU, they're going to win the game. I think you have to. I mean, Michigan forced turnovers are on Duggan, and that's probably his knock is that he's a little bit. Some of his throws are a little bit in, in bad windows. But that was on it. I'm sorry, sidebar. Not yeah, to be yeah, yeah, not to be yeah, rude, yeah. but like. That's just, but that was also just not like Duggan though to throw those bad balls. Like, yeah, does he throw risky balls? Yes, but he doesn't throw interceptions. Yeah, it's, like it's that. not it's not usually bad passes. But yeah, a team like Georgia is the one that's going to capitalize on the risky passes. Yeah, but if they're not doing that, TCU has a very solid shot of winning this game. So, I mean, let's let's get into let's it. Get into it tomorrow. SoFi Stadium. They're not allowed to no tailgate. tailgating. <laughs> yep. No tailgating. The SEC versus. The Big 12. The two everyone loves to hate. Wrong Texas school. Yeah, wrong Texas school. Now, unfortunately... At least it's not a Unfortunate facts. <laughs> if TCU does win, we will no longer be the only Texas school that does have a national title. Um, Sonny Dykes will probably go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. If yeah, he, if he, if he does this... immortalized. <laughs> Gary Patterson just be kicking himself asleep every yeah, night. He's going to be so upset. Let's, let's hear it. Evan... Go ahead and give me your score prediction for tomorrow. Score winning. prediction is for the last time this season. Let's one hear more, it. One more college football score prediction. I'm liking a 27-24 in favor of the Bulldogs. I think it's a field goal decided game. 27-24. And I think one of those is a pick six. Really? Yeah. Uh, on Duggan? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking only only three or only two offensive touchdowns for for Georgia. All right. So for me, last year Georgia did blow up. In, in the national championship, they put up. I, I don't even remember, but they, they, put, up, they, 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 they put up quite a bit amount of points on Bama last year. However, this is a different territory that they're in. You know, they're not playing in a in a stadium. They played in quite a bit because yeah. Georgia does frequent the Atlanta area and like the southern portion of the United States. Yeah, they had the fans there. They don't go west a lot. 
All right, they don't go west a lot. TCU, they don't really have a national fan base as we know until we show, saw it showing up. So for me, I just think that there is so much that has gone right for TCU this year. They were the ones that started the downfall of Oklahoma this season when they embarrassed them on national TV. They, it was an 11 a.m. game. Nobody was paying attention to it. <laughs> they were the team that was projected to finish bottom three in the Big 12 that went on an undefeated run. They have capitalized on mistakes. They have shut down quarterbacks, and they have played in some pretty intense environments. And that's, that's just me giving credit to who they are as a team and to who makes Max Duggan is as a leader. And obviously, you know, we've mentioned before, look at Max Duggan's story. He's a guy you got to root yeah, for. So for true. me, I think that Duggan, it's his last game. They're running backs. It's their last game. Quinn Johnson, last game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that TCU's going to do it. Really? That they are going to pull off. And what I think is going to be one of the most impossible upsets of all time. Yeah, one of the craziest seasons ever. When you when you talk about this college football season, it will. It, this is going to be one of the most historic college football seasons yeah. of all time. This is going to be one that I tell my kids about. You know, we have we have been blessed to see some pretty insane games. Yeah, we have. We've seen a lot of crazy endings. We've seen Caleb Williams paint his fingernails like thirty different times. All right, <laughs> we've seen a lot of stuff happen. We've seen A and M lose to. A non FBS <laughs> school, which is pretty fantastic. That was pretty funny. Too. We've seen some pretty classic memories, and it's only fitting that the most impossible college football season ends in the most in the in the oddest, weirdest, most strange college football season ends with the most unlikely title. So go ahead and give me TCU forty one. Oh, high score to thirty eight. Okay, we we It's coming down to a field goal. But you're. However, I think TCU heads into that fourth quarter with a ten point lead. Okay, you think they're gonna blow it a bit and then they'll 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 bring it back? Because Georgia is, I mean, Georgia can put it on the second half. Yeah, yeah, they're they're also. I mean, that's what we said about Michigan as well. If, that didn't work out, if Georgia starts slow, TCU will capitalize tomorrow. Yeah, night. for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what TCU TCU is gonna have the tempo early, and it's gonna be a. I agree that it's gonna be a lot of a lot of offense, a lot of action. But I'm a little less pessimistic about big score line, but I, I I can respect that, and I think you know that transitions into you know a little break, and then we have one more fun little thing. As to, we do, to, you know, <laughs> as, as we do, we have we have one more fun little thing to talk about that uh you know we promised we were going to talk about it over the break. We're going to give it a shot here. It's going to be the favorite foods we ate this semester. Coming up, real quick for us, right away for you guys. We're back from our little break, and we're going to go for something, you know, more fun after we had some serious topics to talk about this time. We're going to go over our first semester eating. I'm not going to say tier list because we don't really have a tier list made. Just talk about what we ate after this podcast. Because for those who don't know, Tuesday, every week for the past semester pretty much, has been I come over to JC's apartment, we do the podcast, and then we go get some food. And, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to do some better habits this semester, maybe a little less eating out, but it was quite a lot of eating out. And it was. There was some very fun things we've done and some great meals you know, and memories. I would say I am – I am like – I like that we're cooking tonight because we are cooking tonight. Yeah. But I still think just to pay homage, we still should get food like once a month. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got to happen at least a little like, bit. The snacks are still going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always like, snacking. I'm a big snack. Guys, the amount of times that I would at least like go to a grocery store and buy snacks to keep on my place for Evan to snack on. Yeah. Dude – 
I know Evan Beath. Chips and grapes. Just oh my god. Chips and grapes. Me so well. That's what he likes, y'all. I, I I do like grapes. <laughs> Such a random fruit too. It's I feel like it's kind of underrated. We're not getting the fruit underrated. Frozen grapes, y'all. Frozen grapes. Frozen, that's a, that's true. frozen green grapes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the first one, the first restaurant that I think you know it's probably the one that's that would be at the top of our ranking. Are we like labeling our favorite meal from it, our favorite food, or what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say Cabo Bob's Fish Taco. Oh, the podcast classic. was just so great. For those who don't know, those fish taco or fish Austin. burrito. Oh, sorry, fish burrito. Fish yes, burrito. Yeah, fish yeah. burrito. Cabo Bob's very good Mexican restaurant that we have here in, in West Campus. Tex Mex. Tex Mex. Tex Mex. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, for Evan from D.C., it's very good. Okay, <laughs> listen, it tastes yummy. That's all that matters. I get the fish burrito every time. It's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. After a podcast, coming back to Jason's apartment, yeah. fish burrito, maybe some NBA 2K, great memories. Facts. Oh, a lot of Parks and Rec, too, with it. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of Parks and Rec. Rec. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I like the fish. I personally go with the uh, brisket or steak there. Yeah, it is good go. there. Pretty good there. I want to point out one that Evan uh, brought into my life this semester. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one has become one I'm rather fond of because it is hard to find a good burger at times. I'm going to go ahead and bring up Burger Bar. Oh, yeah. Which is not a restaurant. It's just a counter food service. You go and you can pick up a double meat hamburger with fries for like 11 bucks. Yeah, it is salty. Food. It is crunchy. It is filling. It has great sauce, great ketchup. Great burger. I've yet to find a better burger in Austin. Burger Sand- Bar is my place. Did I, were you there when I took everyone to Sandy's? Um, I do like Sandy's, but I prefer Burger Bar. I understand. Sandy's, Sandy's has mid buns. Yeah, Sandy's mid-buns. is very good. I quite like Sandy's. That was another one of our yes. little adventures. But Burger Bar for me takes the cake. I'm going to get one that was a little disappointing, which I don't know if you remember this one. But we did a Popeye's run once. And for those, oh, who, don't even those, those, who, those who don't know anything about me, Popeye's is my favorite fast food restaurant because in D.C. the Popeye's just always hits. That chicken sandwich, amazing. Mm. When mm. we went, it was just weird. It was as if it wasn't the same restaurant. I agree. I don't know. It was with our friend Efren, who has made some appearances on the show before, is oftentimes with us. And, uh, you know, we went there after the meal, and we were pretty disappointed. I, I didn't like the Popeyes. I agree. Uh, speaking of another guest, I think one that we frequented a lot uh, with Rhea this mm-hmm. semester. Uh, Rhea is one of our uh, fans. Yeah. yeah. Cool lady. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> uh, we would frequent Chick-fil-A with her. Yes. I yeah, think yeah. that Chick-fil-A has gone down the more we've gone there. I've started to like it significantly less each time I've gone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the quote customer service is still fantastic. Oh yeah, but it's just and you know you can't eat Chick Fil A every day. It's, can't not, eat it's not. It's not like a, it's not like a thing you have to have every week. It's a special thing. I like Chick Fil A. I think one one that we did a little bit was we kind of stopped it. We didn't do pizza much in the end of the last half. I think we had a, a Domino's run here or there, but at least at least together with a, mm. maybe not podcast night. But I we would like do Domino's. Yeah, we you're would right. do Domino's, we would. and and that was one that you know it's on West Campus, but. That might be the worst customer service in the entire nation. Is that Domino's? I, I do not like that place. We wasted so much time just wasting like waiting on pizza there. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah, enough. Domino's weird one. I'm trying to think um, of what other some notable some great pizza that we did have though is we ventured out to of course Rapolo's. Oh which, yes, no, all how did I forget about Rapolo's? All the Wampus people know how good Rapolo's Pizzeria is. Great New York style pizza. These big old slices for four forty five. Four ninety five for the specialty slices, <laughs> and you he get the prices. Great calzones as well. Uh, yeah, there's uh, Evan and I. This one time, we like talked on the phone for like an hour and a half. Uh, this time over break, and he immediately let hung up, let me hang up and leave. And I told him like, "Oh, I need to go get some Rapolos. Do you mind?" He understands how good <laughs> yeah, it is. It's 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 worth it's worth basically pausing any operations to go do. I'm, it's it's a religious experience. It's chowing down on that pizza. Something about that pizza is just it always it always hits. 
I think I mean, those are probably the main. Those are probably the main places for us. Was not a fan of Canes this year. Yeah, that's that's true. Was Canes not a fan of Canes this year because from always Jason's, ap- Jason's apartment to Canes is a little bit of a trek. Usually we had to go through drive. Same with Chick Fil A as well. Yeah, Chick Fil A is the same spot, so it would come back a little bit soggy. And I was just the fries, especially. I was like, man, Canes has to be eaten in a restaurant. I think I've, I think I've come to that conclusion. I think you're right. I think Canes has to be eaten into a restaurant. I think. How about how about this? Let's, let's also say. What's a place we should go to? I was thinking the exact What's same thing. What's a place thing? we should, we should go, go for, right, that we have, or like a, a type of food that we haven't done? And also, we'd love for viewers who've gone this far, give us some suggestions, especially if you live in Austin. Texas, y'all. Yeah. I have a car. He and I don't have stuff to do on Friday morning. True. Let us know. We'll go wherever. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get fast food Friday morning. We won't care. Yes. I mean, one that I am surprised we never really went for is, and not just wing stuff, but wings in general. Holy cow, we didn't do Wingstop. Wingstop is a place that I, I loved freshman year. I haven't really gone back since. I haven't been to Wingstop since last March. Wow. It's yeah. been a minute for me. That used to be my place. I, I want to try that sandwich. That sandwich looks good. Okay, Wingstop, noted. Uh, yeah. They have great boneless wings. They have good specials. They do. They, do. they have good everything. I'm a big Wingstop, Wingstop Wings, fan. Great fries, great carrots, great celery sticks. Uh, Wingstop's a really hot one. I think this semester, one thing I'm trying to do overall is venture less into West Campus. And a little more farther. And a little more farther. However, one that I do want to point out, because I've never had a bad experience there with food. Now, I'll go there, not for the food, but for other things, is Raku Sushi. Oh, don't get me started on Raku. However, the times I've gone to Raku for food, it's been pretty good. Raku is good. I think Raku, if we want to venture into some fried rice this semester, Mm, I would go there over Madame Mams. Okay, okay. I would go to Raku Raku over Madame Mams, which is another West Campus spot. Yeah, and then... I think of a places that, you know, very popular that we really didn't go to, which I'm actually not as inclined to go to, is the Whataburger and an Out duo that are right on Guad. I'm okay with missing out on And that. I don't think I don't think either of us are as I, you know, I, I like them both, don't worry. I don't think Whataburger is good burgers, but that's a full another story. They have great fries. It's like a thirty minute discussion. Yeah, that's yeah. A, we could talk about the dynamics of the fast food burger in West Campus for hours. Facts. <laughs> Facts. I think Burger Bar's better and if we're gonna go out, I don't think it's those two. I really don't think so. I completely agree, and I also like that we never made an effort to venture over to Torchies across the street. Yeah. Because I am not a fan, I will never be a fan of Torchies tacos. So here's, here's a fun thing, a little sidebar, is that Torchies is, was my parents, one of their favorite places when they came. Because, really? I mean, like I said, like, you know, I know everyone here is, you know, from Texas and all that. They're used to this amazing Mexican or Tex-Mex food. We don't have that in D.C. Our, our good Mexican food is not that good compared to here. So Torchies, pretty good. And I don't mind torchies, but I, I can see why I can see why someone wouldn't like it that much. It's not great. Uh, one that's pretty good, Velvet Taco, though. We could venture over there. They have one oh, yeah, on yeah, E6. Yeah. Velvet's good. The Tiki yeah. Masala Taco. Oh, I've had that one. It's yeah. so it's And the hamburger, the it's hamburger little, taco. I've never had that one. The hamburger taco is fire. I like Tiki Masala and then like a buffalo chicken one or something That sounds like fantastic. That. Good place. Good place. Good place. Guys, we got a lot to explore this semester. Yeah. And we got it's a lot of... We got content to produce. We've got a lot changing in our should, lives. Should we tell them what we're eating tonight? Or is that secret? Yeah, let's tell them. I, so, you know, we, we had to go our way to HEB before this. and Because I always have to have a Diet Coke and a sparkling water with every episode. Every episode. Every it's, episode. It's, part, it's part of it, and you had to get it. And you had a Dr. Pepper and spilled it all over my couch. Not all over. There was some <laughs> residue. Um, <laughs> um, it's not my fault that it, it got like that. It, it is my fault. Uh, uh, tonight, you know, we saw an HEB. 16-inch pizza, under ten dollars. Nine ninety-eight. Nine ninety-eight. We're throwing it in the oven right now. We are very ready. Looks also, good. Also, that kale salad I bought's also for us. Yep. I, I mean, did buy. I will be eating salad, mom. I got a kale salad, y'all. We got some little like crunchies in there, some like wontons. It's crazy. It's gonna be so good. So good. So fun, y'all. 
for the first time in a long time, <laughs> yeah, we are under that. 50 minutes. <laughs> That's a miracle. New Year, new us. New Year, new us. And we'll be back pretty soon for you for your ears. I'm probably you're probably listening to this on a Monday if you're hearing what comes out. And by Friday, we'll have another one for you. Get ready, y'all, because we are back. We are better than ever. Yes. We have both cut our hair. Yep. It's it's go time, y'all. It's go time. So without further ado, I will say bye, and then I'll let Evan close us out. But y'all, it's so good to be back. Evan, I miss you so much, bro. I miss you, too. It is. It was, it was tough being away from him. It, it is so good to be back on back on the couch. It's not, a, back it's on not the couch. just Evan and I, but God, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. And, you know, thank you guys for listening. This is one of our goals for 2022 was getting this podcast running. 2023, we're just going to try to make it as big as we can. And I had a great end of my year. I hope everyone else did stayed safe over the holidays. And for those getting back into school starting tomorrow for us, have a good semester. And everyone, hope you have a great rest of your week. Hopefully you have fun watching the national championship tomorrow. I know I will. And as for that, I think the 40-yard line is out. Have a good night. Have a good night.